Welcome to the Long Thread Podcast about spinning, stitching, and weaving by hand. This series is sponsored by Long Thread Media, publishers of Spinoff, Piecework, and Handwoven magazines. Find us online and subscribe at longthreadmedia.com. I'm your host, co-founder Ann Marrow. So I'm here with hand spinner and teacher Heavenly Bresser. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. One of the things that I have noticed is that you have quite a herd of spinning wheel. Yes. <laughs> Too many, some will say. <laughs> Not not I. I would never say too many. <laughs> yeah, it's growing. I actually saw a wheel this morning and I'm trying to tell myself I don't need to add it to the herd. <laughs> How big is the herd right now? Oh, if I could count correctly, I would say I am, um, I believe the herd is at 29 wheels now. Almost 30. <laughs> wow. So what made you decide to, to bring a new one into the into the herd? Um, the new one is one that I do not currently have. So it is a different um, style of wheel. And it is what I believe to be um, a French wheel. So it has a triangular base at the bottom and it looks similar to one of my Tyrolean wheels. So I'm so tempted to pick this one up. And the price is hard to pass up to, if I must say. <laughs> How did you learn about all these different styles of wheels? Oh, boy. Well, I would say um, searching online to see the different spinning wheel parts led me to see different styles of wheels and also just seeing some of them for sale on different um, online sites. I, I was able to see different shapes and I'm like, this is so cool. There are different kinds. I believe that's probably the first realization that there were different ones out there besides what I'm used to seeing such as the American Saxony. It's a really popular style of wheel. And most people see those and they're like, that's what a spinning wheel looks like. But then you find out there are castle style and so many others. So, yeah. I don't know if I would say, do you? Would you spin on all of them? Would I spin on all of them? Um, yes, <laughs> absolutely. My goal with the wheels that I have in my herd is to be able to spin on every single one of them. So at one point in time, I actually had... Um, all of them repaired and or already in working condition so that I can spin on them on every single one of them if I decided to. Um, right now, I have a few that maybe more than a few <laughs> that needs a little bit of a helping hand to get it back into tip top shape. But yes, the plan is to fully restore those. When you say restore, you must be picking up wheels that some of us would be a little bit afraid to go near. Yeah. So I went from repairing wheels where I did minor fixes, things that I felt were not beyond my ability <laughs> to take on. So for repair projects, at least in my view, those would consist of wheels that already have a flyer <laughs> or a spindle. As long as there's something there that I can actually spin on, <laughs> Great. And it would consist of 
almost all of the moving parts of the wheel. So those types of projects, I would have to repair leathers. Um, I might have to fix a treadle and possibly make my own footman from cord, uh, leather cording or some other material. But in general, those are easier fixes. Now I feel as though I'm leaning more into the restoration stage where I am actually fabricating my own parts for the wheels. And it's a lot of work. (laughs) And it's just, it is definitely one of those things where I would say the average person might not jump into right away because it takes a lot of knowledge with woodworking in order to really remake these parts. And there's a lot of safety measures involved. (laughs) So you still have all of your fingers (laughs) afterwards. (laughs) It's been a journey, but I I'm enjoying this transition from simply doing repairs to restoration projects. Did you do any sort of woodworking before before you were working on restoring wheels, or is it sort of that this was the next logical step? For me, this was the next logical step. I had no training whatsoever in woodworking. I had no experience at all. I actually joined a woodworking guild earlier this year. Um, I want to say it was early January when I joined an online woodworking guild in order to learn more about woodworking. And I felt like I was in over my head because there's so many things (laughs) involved with woodworking that has nothing to do with Um, recreating parts for a spinning wheel, but I felt that it was still um, valuable information. So I had an idea of what tools I might want to purchase down the line. And I made the step a few months ago to purchase a lathe and some other woodworking tools, power tools that will help assist with the process. So I'm not wearing (laughs) myself out, (laughs) basically. It's it's so interesting when you think about, you know, one thing leads to another. And and how did you get into spinning? Oh, boy. Yeah, I had no idea I was going to spin yarn. So this is just, (laughs) this is a great question. Um, Most people think that I've always had this idea that I've I would be a person that spins yarn. That was not my idea at all. I have to give credit to a yarn shop owner (laughs) for even giving me the idea that I could make my own yarn. Back in, I would say, November of 2009 is when I started crocheting. And that's what led me into the world of yarn to begin with. And then three months later, I decided I'm going to teach myself how to knit. And I started hanging out at a yarn shop and the yarn shop owner had taken a class on how to use a drop spindle and she didn't get the hang of it. And she said, Hey, maybe you would like to try this. And I said, no, I really don't. (laughs) I said, I'm enjoying my knitting. I'm enjoying what I'm doing with my crochet. I'm enjoying everything I'm doing here. Do not throw anything else at me. (laughs) She basically told me she's going to give it to me whether I say yes or no. (laughs) So she gave it to me. She's like, come on, you have to try it. So a little bit of peer pressure and me saying, okay, fine. I finally picked up the drop spindle. And this was back in 2014 when I attempted. And 
I felt like if I had more instruction with it, I probably would have done much better. I did a terrible job in my first attempt <laughs> with drop spindling. But that ended up leading me to think about spinning wheels. And for some reason, instead of thinking that I would spin yarn right away or learn to spin on a spinning wheel, I figured I'd just grab a spinning wheel and see how it works. <laughs> so my husband was part of that solution where he was searching online and he was on eBay and he decided that he was going to look for spinning wheels. And this is back in February of 2015. We found a spinning wheel that was listed and it was a cute little German style Saxony spinning wheel that needed a little bit of help. So all of the parts were there. So it was definitely a repair job, but I needed to replace the leathers for the treadles. The treadle was a single treadle. Um, and we also had to travel <laughs> to pick to purchase this wheel. So we had to travel from our home here in Warrenville, Illinois to Milwaukee. So that was fun. A nice family road trip. We brought it back and I just started repairing it right away. And I can't tell you how many times I just sat there and just turned the wheel around and around just to see what I was working with. It was mesmerizing. <laughs> but that was my very first experience with the spinning wheel from there. And I've been hooked ever since. That's amazing. I think a lot of people, when they get started, want to want to know what they're getting. They want something that comes with a manual and a user group. But you just dove in and found something that was not only, you know, that you were at least the second owner, but that you were going to have to figure out everything about it. Yeah. I looked at it and said, well, one day I'll learn how to use it. But for now, <laughs> I just want to get it working, you know, so that maybe I can use this. And what was nice is that in my salt, really small town, <laughs> we actually have a or had at the time a um, a spinning guild um, that met in my town. I'm like, how cool is that? So um, I had this wheel, um, the German style Saxony wheel, and also another wheel that my husband found. <laughs> He's very good at finding things. <laughs> he found another wheel and I figured I would bring it to the spinning guild meet and ask questions. So I brought it to the spinning guild meet and the ladies there were so, so helpful. And they told me that they believed that both of the wheels would probably work. And I felt like I found my thing. <laughs> and I also found what seemed like a nice home because of how friendly everyone was. So I joined the guild later and I just kept coming every month to visit. And now, nowadays, I actually teach some of the programs for the Spinning Guild Meet. So it's, it's really cool how everything turned out. Um, what would you say is your newest spinning wheel? I mean, uh, I mean, what would you say is your youngest spinning wheel? Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, the youngest to the herd. I re recently purchased a pendulum spinning wheel. Yeah, I'm so excited about this wheel. I've been looking for a pendulum wheel for a very, very, well, I can't say very, very long time. I haven't been spinning that long, but almost as long as I have been spinning, I've been looking for a unique wheel such as a pendulum wheel. And I 
found it. So I am happy. That's my newest one to to the herd. Um, but it actually has a a date that's probably around 1864. So, and it's definitely a restoration project. There are parts that are broken on it <laughs> and or missing. So I am working on that. Actually, I was working on that today, um, working on repairing or re- remaking a treadle for it. So, you know, there's there's textile equipment, spinning wheels and looms and, and all sorts of things like this that people might come to and not quite know how to approach it. How do you assess if something is going to be a good fit for you? That's a very good question. <laughs> I don't know if I have a really good way of assessing if something's going to be a good fit. But if I notice that something is unique and it's something that I consider rare um, or something that's one of a kind, I'm pretty much all over it because I feel like this is a chance to do this. (laughs) If it works, awesome. If it doesn't, I might cry, but it's still okay. But even with the newest wheel that I have, I feel like I am definitely taking on a challenge I've never taken before. Uh, I think this is the first, yeah, this would be the first wheel where I'm making my own treadle and I am also repairing a brake using power tools. And I've only practiced a little bit with some of these tools. So I feel like some of it just will be overwhelming to some sort of degree, but I just try not to let it keep me from getting something. I try anyway. <laughs> I try. But yeah, I don't think I have a way to assess if it's going to be a perfect fit. I just try to go for things that are different. So do you find that people, I often find that when people find out I'm interested in something, they want to give me all their all their related <laughs> things. Do you wind up with people trying to give you spinning wheels? Yes. <laughs> yes. And what do you do? So I have received some spinning wheels from people. Um, some of the ones I've received is because the person that was going to discard the wheel decided that if you don't take this, it's going to go in the dump. Um, it might end up in a fire. It might end up in a place where it shouldn't go. So in a way, I feel like rescuing them Gives me a little bit of peace of mind knowing that, you know, it has a home with someone that is planning on using it and um, will definitely take care of it. But I also have received, um, I've received a Franken wheel and I have received another wheel that was in pieces. Would you explain what a Franken wheel is? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so for those who don't know what a Franken wheel is, <laughs> Franken wheels are basically those spinning wheels that the parts should all really come from one wheel, but um, it's like having Frankenstein with different parts. So you can have two or more parts of a wheel all thrown onto one wheel and the wheel still can function, but it definitely has traits from various wheels (laughs) and parts from various wheels. It doesn't make them less it doesn't make it so that they're not usable, but most people will prefer to have a wheel that has all of the original parts. So I have received one of the Franken wheels that was not working properly. 
and I was able to um, fix it. And basically the tension knob was stuck. So the mother of all would move. Um, the maidens were a little wobbly. So I just did some minor fixes to that wheel and ta-da, it worked. So that became a student wheel. So if anyone wants to learn how to spin or wants to borrow a wheel, that's the perfect wheel for someone to try and use. It actually works really well. <laughs> it works really, really well. Well, you know, that makes me wonder, you said that becomes a student wheel. So far, do the do the members of your herd come to you to to stay? Is it is it is it adoption situation or a foster situation? It can be both. So um, I hate to separate from some of those wheels because they're very special. So the ones that are double flyers or just have a rare, if they're one of a kind, they pretty much stay with me. <laughs> but there are some that I have no problem with allowing someone else to spin on them. I also have looked into just picking up wheels just so I can see if I can find a home right away. Because at the number that I have, <laughs> I have to let some of them go to an actual home. <laughs> so um, the, the point for me, um, having a spinning wheel collection isn't necessarily to reach a certain number. It really is to make sure that they all are actually functioning and they all will have their time to be used in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> it reminds me of something that Norman Kennedy told me once. He, you know, he's from uh, from Aberdeen, and many of the people who had been spinning before he came along, before he was a um, before he was a young man, once they had the option not to spin anymore, they were done with it. And so he would find barns that were full piles of old spinning wheels, wow. including some with fires. So what, what you're saying about, you know, rescuing it from a fire, it sounds pretty similar, you know, and, and people fall in love with these, these tools. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. <laughs> Do you ever find anything, find out anything about the people who had them before you? Um, Not much. Most, most of the time, if I'm purchasing a wheel from someone, I will ask, but I don't get a ton of information. I wish I could get more. Um, usually the sellers will say it belonged to a great grandmother and they might say where they were from, but they don't know much about the wheel or if, you know, if anyone else has had it before. So I don't usually get a lot of information from the people that sell them. And I think part of it is because I feel like there's a little bit of a gap in storytelling where, you know, I feel like there's a disconnect. So some of the younger generation, as they're selling, reselling these things, either they're not really attached to the story behind it, or maybe they weren't aware. So it's really hard for me to get a good amount of information. I wish I could. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, you, you mentioned you have a couple Tyrolean wheels and you're looking at a French one and you have an American one and all of them somehow came to be with you in the middle of the United States. In the middle of the United States. The Midwest is a nice breeding ground <laughs> for various spinning wheels. Um, we receive here in Illinois, I've seen um, a lot of wheels that are from Pennsylvania. Some that have come from New York and Connecticut have made their way over here, but also tons of wheels from overseas. So we have Norwegian wheels from Minnesota that ends up 
in our area sometimes. And then we also have a lot of Wisconsin um, spinning wheel makers that we end up with some of their wheels as well. So we get a lot of wheels from all different directions, which is nice. And then also with immigration from years ago, people brought their wheels over. So that's like really nice of them to have brought it over with their families and you know, to make a, a new life here. And then we have a piece of history that's still around, which is to me is amazing. So amazing. Has your spinning changed since you've gotten different wheels? Like do you either choose to spin, find that one wheel is better for some things than others? Or, you know, you mentioned having a um a wheel that has a spindle instead of a flyer. And, you know, that's, that's not the most popular current style of spinning. Yeah. To what, to what extent does the, does the tool shape the artist, I guess? I will say that my spinning has changed. That's a, I never really thought of it that way. These are great questions. <laughs> I never really thought of that that way, but I do believe that my spinning has changed as a result of having various spinning wheels. I could say, for instance, one of the wheels that I have, is a Swiss wheel and the way that it's positioned, it is a lateral wheel so that you're able to sit on next to the wheel as opposed to in front of the wheel, um, like most people are used to. And that wheel uh, makes it so that it's very easy to um, practice long draw and leave with your left hand. So for people that want to practice that more, <laughs> That's the perfect wheel, <laughs> the perfect wheel for it. I do have other wheels that I feel that I could spin thinner yarns on much easier, much uh, more efficiently. So um, my Canadian production wheel is one of those wheels. My Swedish accelerator wheel is one of those that it makes it so that you spin thin fast and it's really relaxing too. I feel like the wheels, they all have their own little personality or a little, you know, quirks to them a bit. And um, I enjoy being able to choose based off of the project or based off of the size of the yarn or based off of the technique I want to spin with. So you have been doing a lot of teaching more and more, more and more over the last few years. And granted, this year we're all remote, but do other people spin on these wheels of yours or is it something that you kind of enjoy in your, your home? I have, some of the wheels are really hard to transport. I'm picturing that pendulum wheel in the back of a, in a hatchback. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, yeah, that one's probably going to stay put for a while. I have allowed others to spin on them. And most people are nervous <laughs> to try them because they're so different or they're just not used to, you know, the style of wheel. But I also bring the newer babies, as I call them, to the spinning guild meets. So when we were meeting together, so some people were able to spin on the Swedish accelerator wheel. And they're like, oh, this is so awesome. I'm like, I told you, it's amazing. <laughs> I would say I've probably brought at least 12 wheels to my spinning guild meet. For the teaching, different teaching opportunities, I'm usually traveling for those. So I don't have a way to really bring my special ones from home. I usually just, I usually travel with my Lindrum because it folds, it's 
I have a nice suitcase for it that makes sure it's protected when I, if I'm flying with it. But other than that, yeah, I wish I could let more people try them. <laughs> I think they'd enjoy them as much. <laughs> it sounds like a great recruiting opportunity for your spinning guild. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody join Heavenly Spinning Guild. You might get to try something special. Seriously. I mean, I, I bring them when I can. And it seems like all of the members, they enjoy seeing the different wheels that are out there. And many of the members have really unique wheels as well. So it's nice to see when everyone has a new new show and tell. Like, why show and tell the wheel? They're like, surprise, surprise. She has another one. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> Do you ever go see a wheel and decide it's not for you? Yes. I have turned down, I think, almost as many wheels as I have. I'm really surprised when some spinners will tell me they haven't seen wheels anywhere. <laughs> I'm like, we have a ton here in Illinois. <laughs> and not all of them are ones that really catch my eye. And some of them, um, I will turn them down because they are very similar to one that I have. And based off of the drive system or just depending on how the repair, like if it needs repairs or not, or again, if things are completely missing, it really depends on that before I decide if I'm going to take a dive into that. And if I find something I see that someone else might like, I will let them know that, hey, I saw this at a flea market. You might want to check this out. This looks like something you're looking for. <laughs> so I keep my eyes open for others too. So it's not just grab all the wheels. <laughs> but I save some for others to get a chance to to uh, get their hands on as well. You know, I, I've found that, you know, I love doing one thing and then I don't have time for what I originally started with. Do you find that your love of spinning wheels takes away from your love of spinning or do you find time for both? I find time for both and I made it so that... I try, <laughs> I try to remember to spin every day, even if it's just for a little bit of time. If I can't get to my wheel, I do have um, my supported my supported spindles that I'll go to or a drop spindle in case I'm a passenger or <laughs> driving somewhere for some reason. I have something I can spin on my lap carefully, <laughs> safely, but I do make it so that I have time to spin on them. I am really excited to fix them. So I try to work through a project and consistently work through repairing one wheel at a time if I can. And that way I can test it right away and then I can spin on it right away. Now that I have more power tools, that is a little more challenging <laughs> because I have spare pieces of wood that could work as a treadle for something else. And I'm thinking if I could save time by just making two of these, or if I could save time by, you know, making an extra part just in case this doesn't work out, then, you know, that would be helpful. But then that does take away from spending time if I, you know, start doing that. But um, so far it hasn't. But I do feel as though sometimes my spinning takes away from my knitting. <laughs> and I love knitting. So, um, and I love crocheting too. But there are some projects that I, I want to finish and I see my wheel or any wheel really. And I'm thinking, oh, I could be spinning right now. So yeah, it's a really uh, hard thing. <laughs> but almost a good thing, you know, at least it's there. So it's not going anywhere, but. You mentioned that it might save time if you made two treadles, but 
you know, some of your wheels are pretty different from each other. Makes me wonder when you're working on repairing a wheel, are you trying to make it functional or trying to make it what it looked like? Are you going for like a visual restoration or how do you decide what to do? Um, Both. So I definitely want it to function. (laughs) I want it to function, but I also prefer to make the parts so that they are historically accurate if possible. So I spend a lot of time Oh my gosh, I spent a lot of time online researching, looking in books, trying to find anything that resembles a wheel I have if I have no reference whatsoever. And from different photos of uh, wheels that others might own or, you know, that they might have shared online to, you know, let people know that they have a show and tell, um, from there I can get an idea of the dimensions to and the proportion that I want to aim for. So I definitely want them to function and I would prefer if possible to keep them as historically accurate as I can. But I feel as though that's really challenging when you feel when you have the rare wheel that no one has <laughs> unless you find it in a book or if it's well documented somewhere. It, it's really hard to do. So that takes a lot of time just to research itself. I spend hours just researching and trying to find information, hours upon hours. I think I do it every day. I think I do more researching than spinning, actually. (laughs) I'm always online like, oh, what if I can find this today? So you mentioned that, you know, now you spin on a supported spindle or a drop spindle um, when you can't get to a wheel. What is it that that brought you back to those after initially it seems like you were paused briefly on spindles and went straight to wheels? What brought you back into into spindles? I think it's, I would say, determination, probably. I don't ever, I don't like to feel defeated in any area. So if I, if I am not catching on to something, I'm going to revisit it at some point, <laughs> see how I can, you know, um, how I can get it to work or figure out what's, you know, what's not working for me. So when the, when I had trouble with the drop spindle, I knew at some point I would revisit it. And then I figured things started to click more when I understood how fibers work, how um, staples work. I felt like I had a better understanding when I was spinning at my wheel um, and my Lindrum. And I felt like that was really, it felt natural to me to spin on a spinning wheel and I figured if I could do this, and this feels really natural, I, I'm sure I could teach myself how to use the drop spindle, give it a shot. So I revisit the drop spindle, and it actually worked out really nice when I came right back to it. And I thought I should try different ones and see how I like the other ones. And it became just like the wheels where I have a lot of spindles now too, <laughs> which they don't take up much space though. So there, there's that. <laughs> well, I was going to say they're, they're easier to, easier to stash, but it sounds like, you know, some people are afraid that their, their spinning equipment is taking over the house, but it seems like you have a, your husband is supportive of your growing spinning herd. Um, He's part of the growing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> he's, I would say he probably has helped me find at least three quarters of them, I would think. 
Okay, so one thing about my husband, even though, you know, this is kind of like a sidebar here. <laughs> my husband, he likes to collect vintage toys. So he goes online looking for vintage toys, and if he's bored, he'll look for spinning wheels. He just does that. <laughs> so when he finds one, he will send me a photo. He'll say, hey, have you seen anything like this before? I'm like, no, I haven't. What are you leaning into? <laughs> And usually he has already contacted the person to see if it's still available. He's very persistent and he stays on top of things really well. He's he's good at finding things. Also, his father, he's really good at finding things at flea markets. So they have become what I like to call my spinning wheel realtors. <laughs> They can find a spinning wheel that's hidden in the dark. It just, I'm like, how? I have no idea. They have a radar for this stuff. <laughs> but it's great to have somebody who, even if they don't share your exact passion, under, understands the, the drive to, to have more of something or, or to just find out more about something. Yeah, I agree. I find it really interesting that, that my husband knows more about spinning wheels than I would say most people that have seen them. and. He knows the parts and he's really good. He's really good with the terminology. It's like, how did you know that? I didn't teach you that. <laughs> he's like, this is missing the staff. This is missing this. This is gone. The treadle's broken. There's no footman. I'm like, oh my gosh. He's, he's really good. So yeah, he could find one for anyone, really. You know, it's sometimes it's important to have a good realtor. You might want to, you know, have them put out a shingle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> service on hire. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's good. But I'm thankful for him. He's just, he's um, very generous. So he finds, he finds things um, also for our sons with no problem. He just finds things. I don't know. I'm like, you know, some people have like a, I feel like they have a superpower. His would be finding spinning wheels and things that most people can't find on their own. <laughs> Like there, that's your superpower. Thank you. <laughs> so do you have something in the back of your mind that you're still looking for now that you've gotten your pendulum wheel? Oh, I don't know if I could say that on air. <laughs> then I won't find it. <laughs> so what's going to make the decision for you on that potentially 30th member of your herd? It's it definitely will have to be very rare and not like any of the others. <laughs> Nothing like the others. I think if I were to find a spinning wheel that's similar to my pendulum wheel, hear me out here, because <laughs> it is similar to something I do have now. And I do consider this to be one of my dream wheels, the uh, pendulum wheel. But there's another type of wheel. It's similar to a pendulum wheel. And I've spun on one before. And this was maybe four years ago, and I've never seen anything like it. So the pen, the pendulum wheel is interesting where the arm that swings sounds really crazy for people who aren't aware of what a pendulum wheel is. You'll have to check this out. So the arm that swings on the pendulum wheel, it swings um, below. Now there's another version of this wheel, a wheel with a different pattern, where the arm swings above and there is a little bit of discussion of whether to 
um, categorize this one as as a pendulum also because the the arm pivots above and goes away and then um, returns closer to you just based on the position of that arm. So I originally wanted one of those. If I were ever to see one of those, I would grab that right away. There is another wheel, though. Um, if I were to see a particular wheel, I would probably um, purchase that as well. And they are called tabletop spinners. So I've seen some that you basically will hand crank the drive wheel. So there's a tiny little handle and you will spin off the, um, you'll spin right onto the bobbin. And it's a beautiful, beautiful setup. No legs. It sits on a table and it's simple. It's small. And I probably would, would grab one of those. Oh, another one comes to mind. Okay. So maybe I do need more than 30. (laughs) Um, there is another wheel that I would love to, um, have in my collection. I have yet to see a Turkish accelerator. I would love one of those. Those are pretty small as well. And they can sit on a table easily. And, um, yeah, I would like that. That's, that's different. (laughs) It's different. So you mentioned a tabletop wheel, but not like a charka? No. Does it have a flyer? It has a flyer. Yeah. It would have a flyer and bobbin assembly. Yeah, I would like one of those. <laughs> that would be great. And some of them actually have um, a long distaff right in the middle and also a water bowl that's attached to the distaff or off to the side. Amazing. Just amazing. Wow. It would make you feel like Rumpelstiltskin. You could spin off your distaff through your water and spin your flax. Yeah, you'd be surprised at the many... The different types of spinning wheels that are out there, they're really impressive. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> it really is. Well, thank you so much, Heavenly. You've blown my mind, and I don't know whether we have helped you put your other Saxony out of your mind for the moment or if you've talked yourself into getting another one, but I think you've probably gotten a lot of us interested in, in what we can learn about old wheels, so thanks a lot. You're welcome. Take care. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Long Thread Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate the show and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again.